Now we are in a uh, sermon series out of the book of First Peter, and it's about um, the hope that we have in the Lord. And today, we're going to continue that sermon series, a series that's really designed to help us go through difficult times. And if anybody's paying attention at all, you can see that we're in difficult times, dark and difficult times. This sermon series is designed to offer us some real hope when everything around us seems hopeless. And I'm telling you, if you focus on what's going on in our culture, you'll lose hope in a real short period of time. It can make you feel pretty defeated. How can I have hope, real biblical hope, when everything in me wants to give up? Say, what's the use? How can I remain strong in my faith when all the circumstances around me are shouting it's hopeless? You might as well give up. I do want to welcome the people who have joined us by way of the internet. Thank you for being part of our sermon series. You can download that listening guide. It's the same one we use right here in the worship center at Eastside Baptist Church. And hope you'll follow along with us as we study God's Word. I'm reading from 1 Peter chapter 1, if you'd like to follow along with me. Just going to preach on one verse today. Don't let that fool you. It won't be a short sermon. <laughs> one verse, but there's a lot in the verse. So we'll be talking about it today. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Listen to what Peter had to say. Now, I have to remind you that Peter wrote this at a time when the church was under great stress and persecution. He wrote it to people who were scattered throughout the world, who were feeling alienated from their culture, who were under duress from the Roman government. And here's what he wrote. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope. That's our message today, a living hope. He's begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And Peter's point is very simply this. If Jesus Christ is not risen from the dead, we are hopeless. But if he is risen from the dead, then we of all people should be filled with hope, living hope. That's the point of this passage, and this it's really the point of the sermon today. Jesus rose from the dead. If Jesus rose from the dead, then nothing is impossible. Yes, he can even redeem hopeless situations. If he can raise Jesus from the dead, then what can't he do in your life? This letter was written to people who were scorned, betrayed, rejected, martyred, wounded. They needed to find a source of hope. 
apart from themselves, a source of hope, apart from their circumstances, a source of hope that would be in Jesus Christ. There are five important little words in the verse that I just want to call your attention to. This is, in when you're reading the Bible and studying it, this is called observation. It's where you pick out things and you say, well, that's interesting and that's interesting and wonder how this fits here. And, and it's called the observation phase of biblical interpretation. So I'm just going to point out five things about this one verse. And I want you to notice, first of all, the word Father. Peter reminds his readers that God is the Father. In the Old Testament, God was primarily known as the Creator and the Redeemer, but in the New Testament, God is Father. And Jesus even said, you can call God your Father. He is your Father. My earthly father was a man of integrity and reliability, and I'm grateful that he was a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, and that he taught me well. He wasn't perfect by any means. He had a lot of trouble expressing affection. Um, and so, because he was my earthly father, all of my images of my heavenly father came from who he was, who my earthly father was. And the one thing that I have the most difficulty with with God is experiencing affection from him. I know that he loves me. I mean, that's declared in Scripture, plus he sent Jesus Christ to die for me. But I still struggle to know the affection of my Father. I'm better than I was, but I ain't where I need to be. So I'm growing in that area. And Jesus said, he is the perfect Father. And he said, if you want to know what the Father really is like, take a look at me. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And what was Jesus like? Well, he was compassionate and forgiving and loving and understanding, and he was faithful. And that's what the Father is like. And so we have the, the privilege of a vital connection with the person of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And Peter reminds us about that in this passage. Here's the second phrase or word that I want you to pay attention to. He uses the term our Lord. Notice that Peter uses this term and he emphasizes the intimate personal relationship with the God of the universe. Yes, it's a wonderful thing that I can have a vital connection with a personal God. He's not a force that's impersonal and distant. He is a personal, intimate Father who wants a relationship with you and me. And Peter emphasizes that. When everything around you in the culture is going crazy and you just want to throw up your hands and say, please stop, you better have something more in your life than just what the culture offers. And that's this personal connection with a living Savior. An intimate, personal relationship. Our 
4. Thirdly, I want you to see abundant mercy. The reason God provides and offers salvation is because He's merciful. He could just let us die in our sins. But He chose not to because He loved us so much. We're in need of His mercy. And what the Scripture says is that God has abundant mercy. I want to read uh, some verses from Ephesians chapter 2 and listen to how this is described. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 to 5. Listen, listen to what Paul says in his word. He says, And you he made alive, speaking of all of us, you who were dead in trespasses and sins. That was our spiritual condition before we met Christ. We were dead, spiritually dead in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That is, before you got saved, you were led around by the devil. How many of you have seen people being led around by the devil this week? <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, lost people are led around by the devil, whether they know it or not. The spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom all, uh, so, sorry, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. You used to act like that. You don't act like that anymore. Now listen to this, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us, alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Peter reminds us that it's God's mercy that we need. He reminds us that God is rich in mercy, abundant in mercy for all of us. Here's the fourth phrase I'd like for you to take a look at. Begotten us again. God caused us to be born again. He gave us new life, a new destiny, a new priority, new values, new desires, a new nature, a new family. We have been given something brand new. He has begotten us. And the word, the word picture that's used in the New Testament is kind of like when a baby is born and, you know, that doctor picks them up by the heels and slaps them on the back and they go, oh. that's the idea. He has made us alive. He quickened us by his spirit. He took a dead person and made them alive in Christ Jesus. We were all dead in our trespasses and sins. And we have seen evidence this week of the deadness of humanity. Spiritually dead. How do you expect lost people to act? That's exactly how lost people act. They want to kill each other. They hate each other. The reason there's hate and murder and vengeance and violence in this world is because every man was born in sin, spiritually dead, separated from God. But God didn't leave us in that condition. He made it possible for every one of us to be begotten again to a living hope. He made it possible through the death of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the fifth thing. 
I'd like for you to observe living hope. Living hope is eternal life. Hope, by definition, is confident optimism. I would like for you to know that this week my confident optimism took a dip. In fact, I looked at what was happening and my heart sank. And I thought, oh my, when are we going to stop the senseless violence? You kill me, so I kill you. What a sad condition. Our humanity. So, my hope took a dip because I got focused on the circumstances. And then I remembered, wait a minute, my hope is not in the circumstances. My hope is not in humanity. My hope is in the Lord. And so I went back and I tethered my soul to the Scriptures. I said, oh Lord, let my hope be in you. And do you know immediately my hope index went right back up. And that's a living hope. You see, when you attach your hope to something in this world, it's going to sink. Listen, friend, listen, friend, listen carefully. Everything in this world is headed for destruction. Everything. The only thing that's going to last is that which is eternal, and you better find something eternal to hang on to. His name is Jesus. He is eternal life, and our hope is found in Him. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's a living hope. He's my living hope. And so I want to share with you today six things from the Scriptures about hope, living hope, from the Bible. Number one, if you're following along and you're listening, God, number one, living hope comes from God Himself. Living hope comes from God. Psalm 43 and verse 5. This is what it says. Psalm 43, verse 5. Ready? Maybe you'd like to read this with me. This is really good, okay? Read it with me, would you? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Hope comes from the Lord. When I get my eyes back on the Lord, hope rises. The hope for any situation. Listen, when I get my eyes back on the Lord, I see the situation in Dallas, and I see the situation in Louisiana and Minnesota, and I see those things not as hopeless, but as hopeful because I serve a risen Savior who can redeem any situation. He can actually turn it around and make it a blessing to our country. If we'll allow it, He'll do it. If we'll talk to Him, He'll do it. He is the source of living hope. Do you see this verse? Please notice what it says. David wrote it. He said, why are you cast down? Do you know what the word cast down means? Depressed. Why are you depressed? Why are you sad? Why are you feeling this way? 
Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil? Turmoil is that unsettled feeling that rests in you, gets you in the pit of your stomach, and you're worried and you're anxious. That's turmoil. Why are you in turmoil? I'll tell you why you're in turmoil. Because you're looking at your circumstances, not looking at the Lord. I'm confessing. You ready? I'm confessing. Right there. I get in turmoil. I was in turmoil this week. My heart went racing. I was fearful. Anxious for our country. Anxious for our whole culture. I became anxious. Then all of a sudden I said, wait a minute. God is on his throne. He is in control. He has the power to redeem this. He can turn this around. He is a God of hope. His power supersedes all of this. If he can bring death into life, then he can redeem this. And that's the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life and in mine. He can redeem any situation you find yourself in. You're facing cancer today? I've got great news. I serve a God who beats cancer. He knows how to do that. It doesn't matter what you're facing today. I serve a Savior who is risen, who has defeated sin, death, and hell, and He is able to redeem any situation you find yourself in. Hope comes from God. Living hope. Do you notice what it says? Hope in God. David had to tell himself that. Do you know what happened to me this week? I had to tell myself that. Hey, Bob White, wake up. Hope in God. You have to tell yourself that sometimes. Because your emotions will go running away. And you have to say, hey, wait a minute, come on back here. Hope in God. Would you say that out loud with me, please? Hope in God. Not in your circumstances. Not in the people around you. Not in your job. Not in your bank account. Not in this culture. Not in a presidential candidate. Hope in God. And you tell yourself that. That's what David was doing. He told his soul, put your hope in God. Second thing, living hope is a gift of grace. Living hope is a gift of grace. I'm really glad about this. Because grace means that I can get it even when I don't deserve it. Right? How many of you know that grace is undeserved, unmerited favor from God? It's unearned favor from God. You know that? That's grace. And what we know from Scripture is that God gives us this hope not because we deserve it, but because we need it. I'm really glad of that. Because I can say to you, I don't deserve it. But I sure do need it. Look at this verse, 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. I think we should read this together as well. Read it with me, please. Now, may the Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Do you see that? Now, notice the phrases. Good hope 
through grace. Well, that's what I needed this week. I said, hope in God. And the Lord says, well, you don't deserve it, then I'm going to give it to you anyway. You haven't earned it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. You don't merit this hope, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. That's grace. And notice, please, that living hope comes to us not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, not because we've been good, not because we've tried hard. It's because of grace. Good hope comes to us from a gracious, kind, loving, merciful God. He knows that we need it. Here's the third thing about living hope. Living hope comes from the Scriptures. Would you be surprised if I told you that? Where do we find living hope? In the Scriptures. You know, uh, it's amazing what happens to you when some bad news hits your life. And I know, you know, we have people in our church that are facing some bad news right now. You know, we've got people that are battling cancer friends and family that are battling cancer. We've got some people that are really struggling with some major life decisions. We've got some folks that are really hurting because of broken relationships. We've got folks that are struggling to understand what God's up to in their life. We've got people that are just really battling. And there's all kinds of voices in our culture that will tell you what to do. And they're the stupidest voices. And we just listen to them. And the only thing that's going to bring you back to living hope is getting into the Word of God. It's the anchor for your soul. When the winds of society are blowing around and there's all this confusion and fear and anxiety and anger and violence and it's swirling around uncontrolled, the only thing that's going to anchor your soul is the Scriptures. And if you get back into the Word of God, you will find your heart resting in Him. It happened to me this week. found myself quickly caught up in the whirlwind. The news reports. The more I listened, the more I swirled. I was just thrown around. Didn't take me long to realize, hey, wait a minute, I need to get back to truth. You know, all these people have their perspectives, but the one source of absolute truth in the universe is the Word of God, so I want to get back into the Word. So I got back into the Word, and you know, I read, and the Scriptures just spoke to my heart, nourished my soul, and anchored me and brought me right back. And it happens to us. When you are in turmoil, Don't run around like a chicken with your head cut off. Get back into the Scriptures. It's the anchor for your soul. Tether your soul to the ground of truth found in God's Word. Listen, God's Word doesn't change. Media will change. Culture will change. Reports will change. Circumstances will change. Your emotions will change. But God's Word doesn't change. It'll it'll be rock solid for you. And you can anchor your soul and you can bring your emotions back where they need to be if you'll get into God's Word. 
Let him speak to you. That's why I gave it to you. Scripture. Look at this verse. Romans 15.4. Read it with me, please. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Encouragement of what? Scriptures. Endurance and encouragement from the Scriptures. Get back into the Word of God. Stop listening to Facebook. Unless, of course, you're listening to my live broadcast. <laughs> you can listen to my live broadcast if you want to. That's going to take you right back to Scripture, too. So, you know, stop listening to all the media reports. It, it'll just drive you nuts. Start listening to what God has to say. He's the creator, and he's the one who's in control. I want to find out what he has to say. And he's got the final say in everything anyway. So let's just go right to the top. What do you say? Number four, living hope is confirmed by the Holy Spirit. I love this. Romans fifteen thirteen. Notice what it says. Let's read it together. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Do you see that? It's the Holy Spirit that enables me to abound in hope. If I didn't have the Holy Spirit living in me, I could read the Bible all day long and not get a thing out of it. But what happens, because the Holy Spirit lives in me, because I'm a child of God, the Holy Spirit came to live in me. He took up permanent residence in me. He's there. He's never going away. He sealed me for eternity. I belong to the Lord. I am His purchased property, sealed by the blood of the Lord Jesus. That seal is on me by the Holy Spirit who lives within me. I can't get any more of the Holy Spirit, but He can get more of me. So He lives within me. And every time I open the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit, who's the author of the Scriptures, speaks to me. And He speaks to my heart. And because I'm a child of God, and because I'm indwelled by the Holy Spirit, the Word of God becomes alive. And it speaks to my needs. And it calms my soul. It casts out turmoil. And it brings peace. And He's able to do that. He gives abundant hope when we go to the Scriptures. And the Holy Spirit, the power of God's Spirit working within my life, pushes aside the fear and anxiety, pushes aside the past, pushes aside the circumstances and says, hey, here's what you need to focus on. That's the Holy Spirit who lives in you. If you're a child of God, it's the same Holy Spirit. The Bible says He confirms the hope that is found in the Lord. Look at this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Do you see that? It's talking about you and me. That's the Scriptures. And now because of the Holy Spirit, that truth becomes real in my life and I can actually live it out by faith. The Holy Spirit becomes the agent through which real hope is given to us. Number five, living hope is produced through trials. You're not going to like this, but here we go. Romans 5, 
verses 3 through 5. This is living hope. Now, notice what it says. This one, I don't want us to read this together. I want you to be thinking about it. Let me read it. I want you to be thinking about it. Paul writes to the Romans. Roman Christians who were under great persecution, going through really tough times. Here's what he says to them. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Hold up just a minute. I'm going to rejoice in the tough things that I'm going through? Uh, I don't know about this. It's kind of hard to rejoice. Unless, of course, you see these trials as having a greater purpose. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. The trials that you're going through are intended to build your strength. The word endurance means spiritual staying power. So when you go through trials, they make you stronger. You know, I work out with a trainer uh, three days a week. He is so brutal. He's just mean to me. Uh, but he does it for my good. What he does is he puts my muscles through tension and trial to make them stronger. And I can do things today that I couldn't do five years ago. Strength, endurance, comes through trials. We say it this way. No pain. What? Let's try that again. No pain. Yeah, right. That's the way we say it. But Paul said it, that trials bring endurance. If you just want to put a line right there and draw out to the side and say no pain, no gain, that's the interpretation. Trials bring endurance. And endurance produces character. You know, I don't ever get around somebody that's never been through any trouble. They're a real pain to be around. They think everything's supposed to go their way. <laughs> Deliver me from people who have never been through any heartbreak. Who've never been through a setback. Never been through any kind of trials and troubles. Deliver me from people like that. Because they think the whole world revolves around them. It's hard to be around people like that. But you put somebody through some really tough times. Something happens in their heart. They become tender, compassionate, understanding, loving. That's one of God's purposes. He wants to build character in our lives. The kind of strength and endurance that comes only through trials. Listen to this. Endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. The ultimate goal here is that because I hope in the Lord, I have the capacity to love people who are not very lovely. Because my hope is in the Lord, I realize everything I need comes to me from Him. Because I hope in the Lord and I realize His love and care for me, I am free then to love people who can't love me back. 
because I hope in the Lord, I'm able to do that. Because I hope in the Lord, I'm able to forgive people that aren't acting very forgivable. I can do that because of a risen Christ and my hope is attached to Him. He's able to do that. And trials are God's tool to bring this about in our lives to deepen who we are. To build our character and our endurance and strengthen our hope. Number six, finally, living hope is fulfilled in Christ's return. I have some important information to share with you today. I am waiting for the blessed hope. I'm waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus. Everything I see around me tells me He's coming soon. And I'm telling you, if He doesn't come quickly, this whole thing's going to break apart. Didn't He tell us that in His Word? He said, I'm coming quickly. And you see, because I hope in Him, I'm waiting for Him to come back. He's coming back for me one day. He's either going to take me home by physical death or He's going to take me home by rapture. And it really doesn't matter to me. I prefer rapture, but, but it, you know, it doesn't matter to me because I know where I'm going. I'm going home. This world is not my home. I don't belong here. And more and more I realize this is not my home. I am not at home here. I'm not comfortable here. This world doesn't share my values or priorities. It doesn't share my interests. Less and less. He left me here for a reason, though. I'm supposed to be here to encourage you. I'm supposed to be here to demonstrate the love of Christ. I'm here to speak His truth. I'm here to remind people that He's coming back one day. And you need to get ready. Because when He comes back, there's not going to be any time to get ready. I'm just telling you ahead of time, right? I'm trying to give everybody a warning. Get ready. He's coming back. And He's coming back soon. And you should be ready. My hope is attached to Him. He's the blessed hope. Can I tell you something else about that blessed hope? My mom and my dad are now in Heaven. And part of my hope I get to see them again. How many of you have a loved one in heaven today? Amen. Well, you see, the blessed hope is this. Jesus Christ is coming back and I get to see Him and I get to see my loved ones again. I'm going to spend eternity with the Lord in heaven. I know that. I mean, I have that confidence. It is the hope that seals my soul. <laughs> it anchors me. You know, it keeps me going. Sometimes I want to throw up my hands and quit. Say, what's the use? But it anchors me. It keeps me going. Because my hope in the Lord. I hope you have that hope today. The hope that is in Christ. What does the Scripture say? Titus 2.13 Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
the full revelation of who He is. You know, a lot of people have heard about Jesus, but they don't know. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. They don't know that. They don't know that He's the ruler and creator of the universe. They don't know that He's the very one sustaining their next breath. They don't know this risen Christ who holds all power and authority in the universe. Everything belongs to Him. Everything will answer to Him. He's the Lord. They don't know this about Him. Miss <laughs> Vivian, you just go right ahead and burst it out. I know you're just ready. Just go right ahead. I have a hope. One day I get to see my mom and my dad and my brother, so many other loved ones. I have this hope one day when I die, I'm going right into the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the body, to be present from the Lord. It is a hope that seals me and secures me. And I so want you to have that hope today. You know, really, it's the only thing that matters. That you have hope in Jesus Christ. Because without that, you have no future. This final verse. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Christ in you, hope of glory. One day it will be glory. Oh, to dwell above with the saints we love. That will be glory. To dwell below with the saints we know. Now that's a different story. One day glory, friends. One day because of Jesus Christ, He's coming to get us. One day we'll be with Him for eternity. In all pain, and all sorrow, and all suffering, and all death, and all tears will be gone away. That's a blessed hope. No more violence. No more vindictive speeches. No more deception and lies. No more abortion. No more drugs. No more cancer. No more suffering. No more dying. In a place called heaven. Glory one day. Because of Christ. Christ in you. The hope of glory. So what would be your next step today? What step do you need to take because of what you've heard from God's Word? You know, it's great to hear God's Word and be reminded of these truths, but if you just sit here and say, oh, that's nice, yeah, that's nice, that's good, okay, that's great. You don't do anything about it, it has absolutely no power in your life. Power is released when you decide to do something about it. So let's just take a quick step by step. Some of you may need to take the first step, which is to commit your life to Jesus Christ. Here's what's important. A, admit that you're a sinner. That means, I acknowledge God, I'm a sinner. I do things that are wrong. I do things that offend you. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ died for you, that He rose again. By dying for you, He paid the penalty for your sins shedding his own blood so you and I could be forgiven. A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ died for you and rose again. Three, 
this letter C. Commit your life to Jesus Christ. This is, this is a step of faith that you take. You commit your life to Him. This is not a try God thing. It's not like taking a taste of pizza. It's committing your life to Him. You say, I'm trusting in Him fully. I'm clinging to Him. I trust in, rely on, and cling to the Lord Jesus. He's my hope. He's my hope for forgiveness. I commit my life to it. So if you're here today and you need to make that commitment, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. You say, I need Jesus as my Savior. I've never committed my life to Him, but I want you today to stand right where you are. I have no intention of embarrassing anybody. But I, I want you to make that commitment by standing because if you can't do it in here where everybody's cheering you on, you'll never do it out there where everybody's going to stone you. Right? So, if nobody stands, then here's my assumption that everybody here has a personal relationship with the God of the universe. That you know Him and that you're following the Lord Jesus. You've already committed your life to it. Here's the second step. This step is one you might need to take. Make a new commitment. Recommitting your life. We sometimes call it rededication. But recommitting your life to the Lord. You know that things haven't been right between you and Him. You've kind of been ignoring Him and ignoring His Word and neglecting prayer and all those things. You know, you just kind of put Him on the back burner. You need to come back to the Lord. Say, hey, Lord, I, I need you. I realize that today. And more than ever, I want you in my life and I want you to take charge again. And I've trusted you as my Savior. Now I want you to be my Lord. Maybe that's a commitment you need to make today. Is there anybody here that wants to make that commitment? Just recommit your life to Him. 